Hey, Mike. Hey, Anna. I was just going to ask, are you around later maybe just to meet up and have a chat about that project? I'd love to, but after we finish the Zoom, I've got to go to the corner shop and get another box of sandwich bags. Oh, gosh, sandwich bags. Golly, you know why? We, I do know why, because we feed Paleo Ridge, and Paleo Ridge offers such a rich, diverse range of protein sources that it's such a great idea to thaw out, for example, wild venison and duck. Well, that's what uh, I've done. So ours is just defrosting now, and by the time I'm done, it'll be defrosted, but it's a kilogram box, and obviously he's not going to eat all that today. So I'm going to take it out and put it in the different sandwich bags, and we put them back in the freezer, and he's got his meal for every day. That's brilliant. But you see, what I do, I go a step further. So when we get a delivery, I might also thaw out, for example, their lamb tripe and chicken. So that what I'm doing is decanting different protein sources into different freezer bags so that I can do this, which is ensure that Prudence and Mr. Binks, in every meal, they eat about four different protein sources per meal. Yeah, because there's evidence now out there in the field of nutrition that actually concurs that a minimum of three, ideally more, protein sources in a bowl at one time will maximise the microbiome and boost your dog's immune system. Oh, okay. Oh, well, we'll do that then. So I should then defrost uh, like the the tripe, the lamb tripe I have. Yeah, definitely. As well, and mix them together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, okay. for me, I always have a bit of tripe in there. And I love the way that Paleo Ridge offers both beef tripe and lamb tripe, which is quite unusual. And it allows, you know, two different protein sources of tripe, which raw green tripe, for me, anyway, is like an elixir for dogs. Well, we know everyone knows Anna. Anna Webb is the queen of tripe. Yes. What an accolade. <laughs> so... If people want to get their tripe and various sources of protein from Paleo Ridge, they go to paleoridge.co.uk. Hey, Mr. Binks, you know how much I love dog films. And you know how much I love watching dog films, especially when you're sat beside me. Well, that's why we're jumping on Zoom now to grab a conversation with Rosie Fuller, who is in charge of bringing the Top Dog Film Festival to the UK from Australia. I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Rosie Fuller, welcome back to A Dog's Life. Hi, thank you so much for having me again. Well, it's it's so exciting. I love um, the Top Dog Film Festival and it just seems in this rendition it's grown. And I had such fun last night watching the whole film festival on my laptop and I was immersed in what I would say is doggy heaven. Oh, fabulous. Thank you. Yes, I, I love it. And like you say, I really love this year's collection of films there. You know, there's just a bit of everything, isn't there? There's some kind of thought provoking and there's some fun and we go all over the world, really, just looking at, at different sorts of dogs and their relationship uh, with, with people and, you know, the amazing impact that they have on our lives. 
Absolutely. You really do go around the world. I mean, you start in Greenland. And I must say, I think that short film, because this is a series of short films, isn't it, that, um, you know, produced independently. And in Greenland, you know, because it's the home of the husky and his sled dogs, I was in tears. I mean, I cried a lot last night, just even when it wasn't sad, Rosie. I just, because just reinforces my absolute commitment to this, that I love dogs. I really love dogs. And, you know, the the stories of people and their dogs, it just makes, oh, it just made me cry. The Anyway, but going back to Greenland, I cried because I can't bear the thought that sled dogs are being made redundant in favour of things like snowmobiles. And the irony of that with the all the ice melting, that the snowmobiles are contributing to global warming. I know it is it's such a moving film. And I also thought the bit with, that was um, so moving is when she says that the sled dogs now have to be kept out of the town because they bark and they they wake people up, all these people living in remote Greenland who now, you know, essentially have office jobs. So they need a good night's sleep uh, and the and sled dogs have been moved out of town. It is it is moving. but It is lovely to see this lady, Joanna, it's probably Johanna, uh, you know, still living that lifestyle and, and st- still with her team of dogs is, is really lovely. Yes, I know. And, and and the film was produced in Denmark, I think, wasn't it? Yes, exactly. Yes, I think so. Yeah. So, again, very multicultural, you know, and seeing things from, you know, a global perspective, really. Now, I love that. But the good, well, we don't want to give any spoilers, but it's so worth watching. And, um, you know, the outcome and her inspiration, Johanna's inspiration to educate her grandchildren into the sort of the the real culture of of Greenland, really, uh, and their own heritage, which is all based around these dogs. Yeah, it's fantastic. I I think I read that Greenland doesn't really have any any roads between towns and no no inland waterways. So in the olden days, the dogs would have been their their only way of transport. overland so yeah it is it's amazing to someone see someone keeping that going and as you say passing down the heritage to her grandkids yeah no absolutely it's so important that you know history is you know so key to our existence like T.S. Eliot would say you know time past is the time future is the time present and all of that but probably going a bit literary now (laughs) but um but there are so many films and they're all different lengths as well. So your attention span keeps up, you know, because you're not quite sure, you know, how long this one's going to be or whatever or what's coming next. But another very, very moving film I thought was is an American one, isn't it, Rosie? You know the one I mean about the rescues that actually live in a prison. Yes, I, I love that film too. I think it's maybe my favourite. It's called Happy Hounds. And as you say, it's about... Um, dogs rescue dogs who have behavioral issues or maybe the the dog home where they're staying is just overcrowded and hasn't got room for them they actually go and live in a prison with with inmates with specially selected inmates and the benefit on on both sides is just enormous I I agree that's a really moving film and I know it's I know it's too simplistic to say you know we should give every every prisoner a dog um you know the enormous impact that they have on each other both dog and human yeah it's amazing and, you know, you had the inmates, you know, talking about the dogs and the difference they'd made to them. To be honest with you, it did seem to me that the dogs were doing the rehabilitation. Really humbling words. Yeah, lovely. I think the bit that stays with me the most is one one inmate and he says, you know, this this dog has behavioural issues. Well, you know, I've got a few behavioural issues of my own. And, you know, it just it just sort of think, oh, that touches a nerve, doesn't it? It's lovely. 
Yeah, and teaching them patience yeah. and mindfulness, uh, which is, you know, what working with your dog really, really does achieve. And I think that's the the theme, isn't it, that underlies all of the the, the movies is really what I love as well, because it's spreading the word of responsible dog ownership. I hate that phrase, by the way, because I think it's been overused and I don't think we know now what responsible ownership actually is but it certainly is mirrored and reflected in these films everyone and it's about a partnership it's about teamwork it's about enjoying life together ultimately as well having fun I mean nothing could have been better illustrated really I think by the the wonderful sight impaired gentleman in Canada so we whiz to Canada as well don't we who's going through the process of choosing his neck guide dog explain a bit more about that Rosie because it really is unusual yeah oh it's a lovely film isn't it uh, I think we all probably you know know a little bit about when you when you get a guide dog they don't just give you a, you know any old dog they kind of have to work with a dog you know find a dog that's right for your your needs and your hobbies uh, but this guy Lawrence he he's really taking that to the extreme so so first of all he's six foot four so he's obviously a big guy needs a bigger dog but also his hobbies include tobogganing and cross-country skiing and ice fishing and kayaking uh, so he's taking all of these trainee guide dogs out on on expeditions with him to try all these things and it's it's lovely isn't it I absolutely loved it I absolutely <laughs> loved it and the tests that the dogs were you know can the dog remain calm in a canoe <laughs> not yeah. something that you'd normally train a guide dog to do you know and searching for his next guide dog you know I mean apart from him highlighting the immense grief of losing a dog which has to be mentioned in this film festival and people need to be reminded of it he goes forth and he is honoured, I suppose, really, to have five different guide dogs to choose from. But, you know, I love this bit because it highlights how different each of these dogs actually is, even though they've all been trained in the same way. They've all been pretty much bred in the same way. They're similar breeds or crossbreeds of the same. So Labrador's cross. I think, I think a couple of them are even brothers, aren't they, the dogs? And, and even those yeah. two are totally different, even though they've had so many sim similarities. One of them is, you know, just really chill. And yeah, sure, we'll go for a toboggan, no problem. And that's you know, it. It's going crazy. Yeah. And I think that's so important as well, you know, to, to get across because so many people say, oh, gosh, I want a dog like my friend's got. And then they might get, you know, a West Highland White Terrier or whatever their friend's got and realise that their dog is completely different or displays different behaviour traits to their friend's dog. And then disappointment can set in, expectations are ruined. And, you know, sadly, sometimes this means dogs end up in rescue. Mm. I know it, it, it's more like thinking about it like you know like humans isn't it we're all different even if you've got the same parents you can be totally different to your siblings and there's no reason why that shouldn't be the same for dogs so yes absolutely absolutely true yeah but it's yeah it is lovely to see him working with all, all of the different dogs and and it's interesting that some are better suited you know the chilled out one is, is really good for kayaking but um maybe less good for for skiing so I guess he's got to come to some sort of compromise with all of his various activities. It was so funny because I was on the edge of my seat thinking, gosh, I'm, I wonder which one it's going to be because ultimately the Guide Dog Association chose the dog for him and he didn't know. So the day the dog was being delivered, as it were, no one in the family knew which one out of these five it was going to be. And he's obviously saying, look, I fell in love with them all. They all had their strengths. They all had their weaknesses. You know, so I'll be happy with whichever dog they bring me. And I picked the right one. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> it was Lewis. That must, yeah. be, it must be so hard. Oh, oh, did you pick the right one, Anna? Did you get Yeah, I did. I did. I thought, oh, I wonder well, which one it's going to be, actually. And I, I did. I picked the right dog. That was hilarious. And he was very, very happy with the choice that they'd made for him. And, and obviously, they justify why. And um, indeed, I think, you know, it probably wasn't the right choice for him as an individual human as well. Yeah, and it really highlights what a what a massive day of your life, isn't it, to to get your your next guide dog or to get a guide dog. It's yeah, the the kind of suspense and the emotion felt by not just Lawrence but his kids and his wife. But you know, it's such an amazing day. Absolutely. And the guide guide dog trainers themselves, you know, the they were getting emotional, weren't they? Because that's obviously the you know the best bit, I guess, of what they do when they when they get a success story. And what interested me was that the trainers were British. So, you know, this, which highlights, again, the multicultural aspect of this series of films. So the trainers, well, he was definitely a Londoner and he was kind of a bit out of his depth a bit in um, A Foot of Snow, wasn't he? Yeah, I think so. They were definitely being guided by the the Canadian Lawrence, for sure. Yeah, on what he needed. They, he knew much more than them, obviously, about, um, you know, about what a dog needed to do if it was guiding a cross-country skier. Yeah, absolutely. No, he totally did. But um, there was also, you know, we, we obviously go to New York on our travels through the films and um, we meet, oh, again, oh, yeah, this one had me in tears, was uh, this wonderful dog walker that had had a troubled childhood, really, and had found sanctuary, really, peace amongst dogs. Yeah, it's incredibly heartwarming, that one. It's Kima and her pack, it's called. Yeah, and I think when you say it makes you cry, it, it, they're all happy, and they're, it's all happy tears, isn't it, that you're crying, but they are so moving. Yeah, yeah it's she, happy tears. I must just underline yeah. that to everybody. Yes. Yeah, but, yeah, Kima, it's so interesting. She says that in her childhood, she was she was never given any love, and so she didn't know how to love. And then she started working with dogs, and they, you know, as dogs do, they loved her unconditionally. And then she she feels in her own life that she's now in a position to, to love someone so yeah that's obviously a very moving story yeah and I think that sort of segues back to the inmates as well because that's also what the dogs would be doing with them and showing them respect you know and trust which I guess maybe didn't happen all the time on the other side if you know what I mean yes exactly yeah no, it's it, I say it's such a wonderful collation of 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 films and stories, and the other one as well, I think, which is a sobering film, is the one about Grace the Pitbull. Yes, yeah, that is a, a little bit hard to watch because Grace is a, a badly abused pitbull when she's adopted by her her family, uh, and then yeah, it's interesting because Patrick, who looks after her, he then also has a challenging time in his life. Uh, yeah, and they both then end up recovering together. So yeah, again, it's it's quite hard watching, but it, the outcome, again, you know, just shows us the impact that dogs can have on on our lives for so many different reasons. Exactly. You think I won't give away any spoilers, but um, whether Patrick would have recovered without Grace is questionable, really, because you know he was young and fit, and you know suddenly there was a big problem in his life, and he may not have actually turned turned the corner to wellness again, you know, without the dog, because they became inseparable, and you know, bit by bit, 
yeah, they both got stronger. And of course, you know, the pit bull being a highly sort of, you know, debatable dog. I mean, they're illegal in the UK, but in some states in America, they're not. And um, for, for lots of good reasons that they're not. And it's a lovely PR piece, really, for the for the pit bull. You know, it's like, gosh, maybe they're not all scary and maybe they're not all going to yeah. eat me alive. <laughs> yeah, maybe if we show them love. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's hard, I can't, can't comment fully on that issue, but yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think that story as that story as well of, of Patrick and Brace, it, it resonates in so many ways. You know, like you said, he might not have recovered if he didn't have that sense of purpose of, of getting up for his dog. And and so many people, whatever they've been through, they 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 say that, don't they? Whether it's it's grief or whether it's injury or you know any any trauma, as so many people say, my dog is the thing that got me through it. Exactly, exactly. You see, and this is the the wonderful thing about, you know, dogs. And I, I feel so sad that so many people don't spend enough time with their dogs. You know, I mean, for example, with Patrick and Grace, they were, you know, he was housebound, so he couldn't go anywhere. And they were together a lot. And that's, mm -hmm. I think, how it worked. You know, if, you know, he was sending her to a doggy daycare every day, that bond would never have been created to that extent. So I think this is why I urge everyone to watch the Top Dog UK Film Festival tour. Well, we'll come to all that in a moment because it really, I think, highlights the power. Every dog has this ability to be great. But going back to the working aspect, because what with me and my behaviour aspect, you know, I love for dogs to do things you know and have have a purpose dogs love to have a purpose love dogs love to do things they love to be rewarded for doing things it's the basic premise of dog training and in doing that you preempt anxieties you preempt obesity you preempt dementia and you create as one of the lovely guests on the series says you know a balanced dog and the lady who said that we're going to quickly fly to australia because we cannot not talk about the poodles, Rosie. <laughs> oh my goodness, I love them. Yeah, Loretta and her dancing poodles. So she's got five beautiful white poodles uh, and yeah, they love to dance. She says that they each have their different tastes in music and what tricks they like to do. So one of them does a bit of rock and roll and the other one likes Greatest Showman and all that sort of stuff. And yet it's a lovely and uplifting film, isn't it? Oh, it's absolutely brilliant. It highlights actually my favourite sport you know, out of things. You know, mm. I, I could do agility. I'm, I'm not mad about fly ball, I have to say, because I think it's very hard on the dog's joints. But canine freestyle, otherwise known as doggy dancing, is something I have actually competed at at a proper competition. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes, yes, I have with, with a bull terrier, which is quite unusual it was very funny and I loved it but it's it's for me it's the sport that really creates the, the biggest bond and the lovely lady with the poodle she really describes you know how she trains all the tricks she goes into such great commentary about it I absolutely loved that film and you know and she you know highlights how having fun with your dog and training them tricks and building it up to a whole routine is a brilliant way to enjoy your dogs and keep them on their toes you know physically and mentally and emotionally which is what it's all about no I know I loved Swayze Swayze was the one that does the rock and roll bit and they're all named, aren't they, after famous dancers? Exactly. Yeah. There's there's Liza from Liza Minnelli and Jackson because of Michael Jackson, and yeah, and it's lovely. And I think what Loretta says is, you know, she says one of the most common things that people say to her is, "Is my dogs could never do that." 
and she just says well what have you tried <laughs> you know have you have you actually had a go or have you just written them off already you know see what you can do and yeah and like you say it's the bond that's created between them which is wonderful Yes, and spending the time to get the best out of your dog. Exactly. She does say that. And I love that, actually. You know, most people don't even try or give up too soon, you know, because she also says it does take a lot of time and patience and repetition. So, you know, Paul Sandor, I always say this, Rosie, you know, dogs are a commitment, not a convenience. But the other clip I I really loved because, um, I got quite into this um, BBC show just before Christmas, all about the beginnings of the SAS. I can't remember what it was called now. Did you watch it at all, Rosie? I don't know. Was, that the, the rogue, was it called Rogue Heroes, that one? Or? That's it. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. So you know which film. Yeah, lots of people have told me about it, but I haven't watched it. Yeah, it's, it's quite a good watch, you know, on an evening. But so <laughs> the film that really reminded me of that was Avalanche Dogs. Oh, okay. Yeah. It seems like they were the they're the SAS, you know, of of the dog world, you know, working in massively extremely dangerous conditions in in America again, you know, where there are lots of avalanches on these slopes and lots of humans get caught out, you know, skiing, loads of accidents happen skiing. And it's these dogs that are brave, you know, in really harsh conditions, snow up to their necks. But, you know, due to tapping in and working again with their olfaction, of course, a dog's sense of smell can find a human buried six feet under a load of snow. You know, we have no way of being able to do that. And it is the old St. Bernard story, really, but, you know, that still is there, St. Bernard Pass that still exists in Switzerland. But they're these dogs that are hardcore, you know, aren't they? Yeah. And I love that the film also just makes them out to be so cool. They are, like you say, either the SAS or the James Bond of the dogs. You know, they're riding yes. on the seats and that sort of thing. And yeah, yeah, it's a very cool film. Very cool film and pretty much skiing down the slopes with their owners, you know, and yeah. absolutely loving what they do, you know, rolling around in the snow and bearing in mind it's going to be pretty cold. And I think they 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 were absolutely brilliant, enjoyed that hugely. And again, that really shows people power of a dog's sense of smell, really, and how you can channel that to help us. Yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it? Well, we could go into all the different things that dogs can smell. I think I think in our tour last year, actually, or maybe the year before we we had a medical dog that could smell out various illnesses and, and stuff like that. But yeah, in terms of finding a human in the snow, yeah, if the human hasn't got a transceiver, an avalanche transceiver, then then humans would have no no chance at all of finding someone and the dogs would be able to save their life. Exactly. And then, of course, we, we also take a trip over to New Zealand. <laughs> Explain a bit about the New Zealand film. Yeah, so that's about sheep dogs in New Zealand. And I... I really love what I what I most love about that film actually is the contrast between and I say this with a lot of affection the kind of grizzled gnarly New Zealand sheep farmers uh, and then and then the lady who's got the dancing poodles and you think mm. on the surface of it they're so different but what they're saying is essentially the same you know that it's it's the bond with the dogs and tra- training the dogs and getting the best out of your dog you know that's what they both do and on the face of it these two people are so different you know one's I would expect the people uh, the farmers you know they probably don't talk to that many people you know it's so remote out there. And they're on this film and uh, yeah, but then they're saying the same as a, as a lady who lives in a city and, and trains dancing, dancing poodles. Yeah, no, absolutely. But this is this theme, which I absolutely love about this um, film festival, to be honest. You, you are really putting together movies that educate, inspire, you know, and really help people, I think, understand the greatness and, and the profound levels of dogness. 
yes. And I, I thought that film also was interesting. Um, you know, he was saying she, that they wouldn't be able to farm sheep in New Zealand uh, without dogs. I think, again, he was saying that the dogs were beginning to be replaced by by vehicles, but, you know, they would have never come that far without sheepdogs. Uh, and also, of course, that they, they, they bred the sheepdogs because the terrain's so rough out there. They bred them with slightly longer legs than the ones, you know, than the original ones. I love that bit because I didn't realise that, that there is a, um, a New Zealand border collie that came originally from a strain in Scotland and went out there in the late 1800s apparently and they tend to be tricolour and yes I really I love that but there, there were two farmers weren't there interviewed and one of them seemed to be a little bit more you know kind of tough guy on the surface and he's talking a lot about his dog that you can see is yeah, heading towards retirement, shall we say. And he spoke with such affection about this dog. And, you know, he even postulates at one point that he'll retire him to a good home, but it would have to be the right home. And I'm thinking, I'm watching this, I'm thinking, he's not going to be going anywhere. You, yeah. it, it would kill you to let go of this and the dog's got his head on on his knee. You know the man I mean. Yeah, I thought exactly the same. He said, you know, if, if it's the right home and if not, he's not going anywhere. And I thought, yeah, I thought the same thing. I thought that dog's not going anywhere. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that they love to compete and talk again, you know, so competitions again. But again, it's kind of about celebrating you, your dogs, really. And, you know, so they started the sheepdog competitions, didn't they, in New Zealand as a way yeah. of kind of going, oh, well, mine's better than yours. You know, I can't do a Kiwi accent, but, you know, <laughs> well, really? Well, let's put this to the test. And that's how these competitions began. Yeah, yeah, it's lovely. I, I agree. I think I've got nothing more to say apart from how, how lovely it is. Yeah. No, I know, I know. It's so hard, <laughs> actually, to uh, yeah. describe it. But, you know, it is true, Rosie. I mean, without dogs, we wouldn't even be speaking like this now because we wouldn't have a capitalist society. Every country, the only way livestock could get to market to be sold was with the help of dogs, you know, in every single country around the world. So we wouldn't have a capitalist society if it hadn't been for the dog. It's really quite a sobering thought really you know so dogs just rule the world Rosie but um no I think you know there's so many characters in this that there's also oh yes the heartbreaking story of the little puppy that had so many problems as a puppy and nearly died and her owner I can't remember the collie's name now oh Mesa Mesa was the collie yeah Yes. And again, the owner, again, just waxing lyrical, really, about working the dog and training the dog to just do things that are great fun with a Frisbee so they can do their displays. I think she was a dog trainer. So, you know, she's got her dog to do her demonstrations with. But of course, again, the bond, because she was a sickly puppy, is greater, perhaps, than if puppy hadn't nearly died you know because she rehabilitated her so well and you know created this massive bond that the dog really will go yeah. the extra mile I think that um she said because the dog was so sick and couldn't really um leave the house they started off just by doing really small indoor tricks in the living room and you know the dog obviously loved it and even and that you know that was so good for the for the, the ill puppy just to be learning something even if it was just um you know indoors and without using much energy 
exactly. And that's how everyone can start it. Everything begins indoors and then you take every behavior outdoors because distractions are much greater outdoors. You know, dogs suddenly think, oh, gosh, I've landed in Narnia and, you know, (laughs) trying to get their attention in the park. Well, they'll do it for me in the kitchen. I'm thinking, yes, they will. (laughs) But the challenge is, is to make this transfer and you have to be more interesting than a leaf. But, you know, and, and, how, and, and anyway, watch these films and everyone will get tips as to how to become more interesting than a leaf or a pigeon, won't they, Rosie? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. It really is a cinema experience. And you've got another run of this. Explain a bit more when it's next airing. Yeah, so you can, it's only available virtually, so you watch it from home. Uh, and the next showing starts on the 20th of January. And then you get the films for a, a three day or just over three day viewing window. So you can watch them anytime from five o'clock on, on Friday, the 20th of January until half past 11 the following Monday evening. So that's a good, um, yeah, over three days. And yet you can watch them anytime during the viewing period. You just kind of get a pass and then we send you a code. Uh, yeah, and you've got three three whole days to watch them. If you can't if you can't log in on the Friday, you can start watching them on Sunday evening or Monday evening. And yeah, it's hopefully a lovely experience. We've got a, a presenter who introduces the films as well to tell you a little bit more about them. And uh, yeah, there's a few more bits and bobs once you're logged in. We've got a, a doggy quiz, and we've got a magazine with more information about all of the films. A virtual magazine, obviously. So yeah, hopefully it's a nice experience. Yeah, it's brilliant. And there's um, competitions and there's, you know, things also to buy on there. You know, it really is like going into a cinema. I, I, I absolutely loved it. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. It's like going to a cinema, but you haven't got the issue of uh, who's going to look after the dog or can you leave the dog for that long? <laughs> no, exactly. So this is dog friendly cinema too. So it's even better. Yes. I absolutely love it. So, you know, this, so it's, is it in its third year, Rosie, the Top Dog Film Festival? Oh, I could even be in its fourth year, I think. Yeah, fourth one. And we did before the pandemic, we did the first one in 2019. We did tour that to theatres. Uh, and then obviously COVID shut everything down. But also, again, we got a lot of feedback saying, well, you know, maybe I can't come out to the theatre because I've got a dog. Uh, so I feel like the virtual platform is a really good one for it. And yeah, this is our fourth fourth collection. So it's the fourth. Yeah, I know it's fantastic. So I think we did talk about the one in, was it 20? 20- 2020 I can't remember um and I loved the films you know on that selection as well although I think if I'm being honest Rosie I think this one really takes the dog biscuit I really really love this you know variety of contributors and film styles and the fact that it really is international you get a bit of international editing going on and it's very thoughtfully put together, basically, is what I think. I think people can tell I'm very enthusiastic about it. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad you love it. But yeah, yeah, we think so too. And um, yeah, like you say, it's it's so interesting to see all these different perspectives from around the world and, and how people yeah, live, live with their dogs, how dogs exist alongside us all, all around the world. It's, it's lovely. It really is. Well, Rosie, I really hope you're going to be back again next year. And I'd love to, you know, have a chat way before it sort of is coming up. So basically, there's only one more slot for everyone listening to watch. And so that is beginning, isn't it, Rosie, on the 20th of January? Yes, that's right. Yeah. And people can book it in advance. How much does it cost? 
yeah, it costs um, £10 and then that you only need to pay once per household. So if there's a family of you, you just pay £10 for the lot of you. Uh, yeah, you can either book in advance or if you if you suddenly remember on the, the Saturday or the Sunday, you can just sign in then as well. Brilliant, brilliant. So it's the 20th of uh, January. So that's everybody's weekend sorted out. Thank you, Rosie, so much for coming on A Dog's Life again. And gosh, please keep us posted with next year's event, you know, and anything you'd like to do, come on and chat about some filmmakers and specific dogs. You know, you're always more than welcome. Lovely. Thank you. I will. And I'll look out for some, some good stories for you. Thank you. That's fantastic. Thank you. That's our show, Mr. Binks. What did you think? Yes, I know. I was weeping a bit watching those films. But don't worry. They're all really happy. It's just dogs bring so much emotion to our world. And you're right. It is time for Woof of the Week. (coughs) On these dark, wintry evenings, what could be better than staying in, watching a series of amazing short films about dogs with your dog? Well, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, please rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again, of course, to Rosie Fuller from the Top Dog Film Festival for joining us today. And all the links are in the show notes. Thanks, of course, to Mike Hansen, our producer, who does all the music and all the production every week. Find out more about Mike at Pod People UK. And for me, I'm at Anna Webb Dogs. What's that, Mr. Binks? Yes, you're right. There is a new club that you can join. It's called our Patreon page, where if you fancy just giving us a little tip or subscribing and getting loads of extra benefits of some special recordings that you can only access if you become a member, check it out. The link's in the show notes. And yes, you're right, Mr. Binks, we will be back in your feed next Sunday. So, you know, why don't you subscribe now? Because that way you'll never miss another show. Bye for now.